their kids. Uh, Tom and Holly are great friends of Sophia and, and, and I. Um, they are the campus pastors at Hope City Church, which is the church plant that we were a part of all the way in Portland, Oregon. They trekked the whole seven and a half hours um, on Friday night, and uh, they're just excited to be here. We're excited to have them. And would you, would you guys mind just standing real quick so that we can give you a welcome and just embarrass your kids? You know, let's go ahead and give them a legacy welcome. This is Tom and Holly Weiss. And uh, I'd like to just go ahead and welcome my, my good friend Tom up here, and uh, we'll see what the Lord has to say through him this morning. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good, good. Uh, one of my favorite parts already about this morning is this right here. Yes. I have not preached from a pulpit in so long. Because being a church plant, we meet in an elementary school and we set up and tear down every day. I always have to preach from something like this. And so you try to put your notes on it and you try to pound it and it just falls over. So this is, this is great. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Um, well, thanks for, for letting, us, letting us come and, and come all the way from Portland out here. And thanks for letting us bring all of our rainy weather with us. So we feel at home. This is fantastic. I know how much you all love the rain. So... Uh, this, is, this is great, but, um, but I, got, I got to say something real quick. So before I jump into, into my notes, um, I, got, I got to say something. One thing. I, I, I've been distracted since I've walked in. <laughs> yeah, I've been distracted since I've walked in this morning. Um, I, I, and I don't mean to, to get emotional here, but as I walked in the building today... I felt like, man, I just had all this noise going on inside my head. And, and, and it's something that actually Tony said earlier as, as, as he walked up, is, is the belief, my belief is that God is always speaking to us. He's always speaking. He is, his greatest desire of his heart is that we would always be listening to him and be in a, a dynamic relationship with him. Amen. Okay, make sure we're all on the same page. So I believe God is always speaking to us. It's, it's like in our car. I, I have my daughter in the car with us, and we listen to the radio, and she cannot stand when it goes to commercials. So she's always going through the stations to, to find the next song, the next music. Like, forget the commercials. I don't want to hear what people are saying. I just want to listen to the music. And I feel like in our lives, God is always speaking to us. The, point, the, 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 the challenge is, are we tuning in? To what God is saying. Are we adjusting our dials to say, God, I'm, I'm just listening to your voice and hearing what you have got to say. And so there's something about when I walked in this morning, I just, I cannot shake it, y'all. I just felt like God is, has been speaking to me all morning long. And I could hear his voice as, as the band got a little quiet at one point, like I'm, I could hear, while I'm standing there, I could hear your voices singing. This like choir of angels? I don't know. I mean, some of y'all don't look like angels. But, but you know, it was, uh, it was just this, this, these voices. And I could hear God, and I could feel God's pleasure with this community. I could hear his voice saying, this is my church. I love legacy. And in fact, I, 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 heard, I heard this, and, and as, as these words came in, I'm like, oh, that is, it comes right out of 1 Corinthians. And here's Paul 
of writing a letter to a, to a young church. And it says this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And from the moment I walked into this building, all I could sense and feel, all I could hear is how much y'all love God. And so maybe the thing I would say to you today, come on, legacy, be ready. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for legacy. What God has prepared for those who love him. Is that a good word? See, I remember when I was a kid, when I was 15 years old, I grew up in the church. In fact, my church I grew up in was called Brentwood Church of the Nazarene. Don't hold that against me. And so that's, why, that's the church I grew up in. And it was this little tiny church in the hood in southeast Portland, Brentwood, Darlington neighborhood. It was a rough, rough neighborhood. Now, 15 years old, growing up in the church, I, I wanted nothing to do with God. That was my parents' religion. I wanted nothing to do with it. But there was, in our church, a lot of gray hairs. And those people, they were listening for God's voice. And they were praying for me. I would show up on a Tuesday night because my mom had to come to the church and do some stuff. And they'd all be gathered in this room. And they were praying for all the youth in our church. There were six of us. But they were praying for us. It was a small church. And I'm telling you, at 15 years old, God spoke to my heart in a way that I could hear him. And he brought me to him. And I've been on a path of ministry and living for him ever since. My first time I preached was from a stage like this with a pulpit maybe a little bit half the size of this as a 15-year-old kid at Brentwood Church of the Nazarene. And it's because somebody was listening for God's voice. And they were believing for me. They were believing that no mind has imagined what God has for those who love him. Can you hang with me on that this morning? Let me pray. Put your hands on your hearts, y'all. Let's pray for this. Let's pray for this. God, I, I pray for legacy. I pray for this family. I pray for this community. God, we pray that your voice will continue to speak to this church, that the people in this room would continue to dial in their lives, that they would continue to open their ears and hear all that you would have for them. I pray that this would ring true in this community, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for this community. May they not limit you with what they can conceive, but may they not make you too small, but they, may they know how big you are and Father, may this community just hold on to you as you take them to wherever you're taking them next. As, you, as this church begins to have an impact in this treasure valley. In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, are we done? Can we just wrap this up? No, 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 no. I get, I get to preach a little bit to you. So again, my name's Tom. Um, it's been a, an exciting journey to, to be here with you. Um, to get to know Tony and Sophia. I think we've known you guys for like four years now since Nehemiah was just in a little car carrier. 
And so it's, it's been an incredible privilege just to be able to be invited today to come here. And, and it's amazing how even being six hours, seven and a half hours away, it's, it's amazing how connected we can stay and how connected we can be today. And I, when I was growing up as a kid, I remember uh, I would try to call to my grandparents' house. And they lived like in the next county over from where we lived at in Portland. But it was... I mean, literally, just a, 15 minutes of a drive, like 15 minutes, and we were at their house. But to call them when I was a kid, and that was back on the rotary kind of phones, it was a long-distance phone call. Just nowadays, it's amazing to me that I can call Tony here in Nampa, here in Meridian area. I can call him and using a Portland area code, you know, and get a hold of it, and we're, and we're connected, and it doesn't cost me a, any more than my usual pay. But I can call friends... And I can look at their phone number, and, and I, you know, nowadays, I don't know about you all, but I don't pay attention to phone numbers. I just look at names. If I don't know, if your name doesn't pop up on my phone, then I don't answer it, because I'm like, who is this? And it's amazing how I can call somebody, and I'm like, why is Marika's number coming up with this crazy area code? Oh, it's because she's from San Diego, and now she lives in my neighborhood, and I can call her on my phone, and, I, and I'm still connected. It's, it's amazing to me today how connected that we can be. It's like going on vacation sometimes. We'll go to some spot and I'll tell my, my mom and dad where we're going on vacation and they're really excited for us. So we show up and it's like, like, like going to a place called Bend and we get like this timeshare and we're really excited about the unit that we're in. So, so what do we do? Well, we, 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 we pull out our phone and we get on FaceTime and there I am talking to my family some three and a half hours away from us and walking around the unit. Yeah, look at this, look at this, look at this. And my kids are jumping into the screen because that's kind of funny. And as we walk by, they, they flush the toilet because that's kind of funny because it's loud and they can hear it. It's amazing to me how connected we can be. And I got to make a confession. I got to make a confession. I'm one of those type of people who, after a long day of work, I love coming home, sitting on the couch, and turning on the news. Yes, it's me. I'm one of those, I'm one of those people. I love watching. I mean, in this news cycle that we've been in for the last, like, four years, it's been every time I turn on the news, like, breaking news, breaking news. It's like everything is a breaking news story. And I don't mind because I'm like, what? And I just enjoy watching the news, and I'm connected to everything happening. I don't have to wait a day and read it in our newspaper, but I, I'm connected right there in real time. I'm watching the reporter as the wind's blowing him and the rain's hitting him as he's somewhere going, in right now. And I'm like, I'm there. I mean, I'm not there because I'm on my couch and I'm all dry and warm. But I can be, it's amazing. I'm connected in real time all around the world. Not just stuff that's just 15 minutes away. But everywhere right here. And so the tension, though, is that while we are connected in, in, in real time. It's amazing how we don't feel really connected. So while I can be connected to everything in real time, it's amazing how I don't at times can feel not really connected. And instead, I think our reality can be more about loneliness and isolation. Like in this room right now, crowded in this room all together, we can be crowded and sitting next to somebody, right next to them, 
almost in that uncomfortable, like, you know, the, the leg, touching the leg thing. Like, like, we can be that close and yet be totally disconnected from that person. Disconnected from their story. Disconnected from the events happening. Disconnected from the reality of their life. And we're six inches away. Isn't that, un- that's unbelievable to me. So there's something powerful that happens when in our lives, when with our faith, we begin to shift from being oriented just to ourselves and thinking about myself and my seat and where I am, there's something amazing that happens when we begin to shift from being me to seeing something more about we. Like what, I've already, like what you just talked about here with the, the health group, the, the Special Olympics, and we shift from being concerned and oriented to myself and begin to shift and be thinking and oriented to others. And see, now I, so I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor at a, a church in Portland. I do that part-time. But my other part-time work that I do is I'm a chaplain at a hospital. And so I go in every day and, and meet with patients, and I see this, and, and it's amazing to me. I walk into patients' room, and, and my job is, is, is to go in and to listen to, to share their moment of pain and suffering because people don't show up to hospitals just to hang out, right? Nobody's saying, hey, babe, what do you want to do this weekend? Hey, let's see if there's a room available in the hospital. No, nobody does that. Uh, there's no, no Airbnb uh, website saying what rooms are available in the hospital. It just doesn't. You go there because something is happening in your life. So I sit with these patients. And at the end of a long conversation, sometimes at the end of a conversation filled with tears, Anxiety, stress. I'll say something like, would, would you mind if I prayed for you? Now, here's the beautiful thing. I don't think I've ever had someone tell me, I'm good, I can take care of prayer on my own. Thank you, chaplain. Uh, you can leave now. No, overwhelmingly, no matter where they're at in their faith journey, because let's be real, y'all, when I go in, uh, pain and suffering is a leveling field here. Like it, everyone goes through that. So when I walk into the patient's room, it don't matter if they love Jesus or they just don't even have a faith. They're all suffering and in pain. So when I say, can I pray for you? Overwhelmingly, what I experience is someone saying, yes, yes, pray for me, pray for me. And that's that shift from me to we. Because they know they could pray for themselves, but there's something powerful when they know someone is praying for me. I feel connected. In this moment when I'm scared and alone, I can actually feel connected to God through somebody who's facilitating this for me. The shift from, from me to we. And so today, I want to talk about how we move from being, being disconnected in our lives and what does it mean? What does it look like to be connected? I had a friend when, when we were doing small groups. I, I, I planted a church in Portland years ago, and, and we were doing small groups. And I had a guy, and I said, Matt, are you going to join our group? And he said, Tom, I've got enough friends in my life. I don't need any more friends. And I was like, then you don't understand the picture that I'm talking about in small groups. This isn't about being, having more friends. This is about being connected. 
And so today I want to talk about what does it mean to move from being disconnected to connected, to not just having now another social group to hang out with, but how are we really connected? And what does that really look like according to the scriptures? According to how, what, what, is, what does the scriptures say about what does this connection look like? Because from the very beginning, and we, and we know the stories. If, if we turn to page one of the Bible, we, we know the stories. God, God creates, and six times God talks about creation. He says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. The, the, the lights, the, 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 the land, the, the waters, the vegetation, the animals, the rain. He, all of it he calls good. And then what does he do? At the, at the very end, he saves the best for last. And humankind is created. And it, is, and it just ain't good, but what is it? It's very good. This is very good. Like, almost as if God would say, this is my favorite part of all of the story. It's creating humankind. If, if there could be exclamation points, very good is, is very good with a ton of exclamation points behind it. This was God's passion. This is God's desire for us to be created, to be in a relationship with him. But in the, as we move from the first page to the second page of the Bible, there's, there's another kind of version of the creation story where it gets broken down in, 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 in greater detail. And that's where we get introduced to the phrase, what's not good. Now, as I read the story, I wish God would have said something like, flies or mosquitoes, they're not good. All right, because I don't think they're good. I hate those things. Um, and I could go on and on about that. But that's not what he said was not good. I guess we need him. Whatever, God. You know more than me. But as we get to the end of, this, of, of that account, we see man's created. And so we see that man's created first. And what is not good? What's not good is that man is alone. So I guess, again, God saves the best for last. And so who was created last? Come on, ladies, huh? Amen. Uh, so the, and so that is where we see when God says this is very good. It wasn't that man was disconnected. It was that man was connected. Even with God, in a relationship with God, Adam still was not in an ideal situation. It was not good. We are created for connection. We are created to be connected with each other, to be connected with the Father, to be connected with God, and to be connected with one another. So the question I have for you today, and I'm going to ask it all throughout, is how connected are you? How connected are you? Because what I have discovered is that people, when we're not connected, we work hard to find a substitute for it. We work really hard. We get, we get busy with a lot of things in our lives. We get busy making money. We get busy about our careers. When I feel disconnected, when I'm not in the ideal place that God has created me for in the relationships I've been created for, we begin to find any sort of substitute to kind of fill that space. So we work really hard. And working hard is not bad. Working hard is actually really good. Working hard is, becomes a challenge when it's used to compensate for our disconnection. Hobbies and, 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 and extracurricular activities are really good. 
but they become a challenge when they, when they become something we use to compensate for our disconnection from others. Our children, come on, y'all, are really, really good. It can be a challenge, though, when we get so busy with our lives, it compensates for a, a, some sort of disconnection from others. There's nothing that compares to when we are really connected to God and to each other. When, when someone begins to move in their lives from being oriented to self to being oriented towards others. And when we move from me to we. The series title is Better Together. And that is true. So it reminds me of a story from... Uh, from the Gospels, from Mark chapter 5. And, and, and here's the story of, of a woman who was looking to be connected. And the context is that Jesus says, uh, he's with his followers, the disciples. In fact, he's, he's in a crowd of people, much, much like this, a, a whole crowd of people. And Jesus is standing there, and, and someone comes running up to Jesus, a leader. He says, hey, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Would you come and come see her? And of course, Jesus says, yes, let's, 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 go, let's go and see her. And so the whole crowd begins to shift with Jesus as they move to go see this leader's daughter. And then here's, here's what the, the story says in Mark chapter 5. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And then verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. We got a woman in a crowd. Like many of us here today, we're just one person in a crowd of people. She'd been suffering. She'd spent all of her resources trying to make things better. She got all the right therapists, all the right doctors. She'd gone seeing the experts, trying everything she could to fix whatever this chronic bleeding was happening in her life. But things had just gotten worse. It's a lot it's like when I'm in an argument, I mean a discussion with my wife. I try hard to have her see my side of the story. I reason with her, trying to understand, this is why I'm right. And I keep going, I keep going, and what happens? Things don't get better, y'all. They just get worse. She finally looks at me and goes, are you finished yet? And that's when I have to work, okay, and dig myself out of. And I think that's, this woman had tried everything she could. And it wasn't getting any better. It was just getting worse. And she was alone. Because what we understand from here in this time is that when someone suffered from an ailment like this, unexplained, when it couldn't be fixed, then people were uncertain about what was wrong with her. They were afraid that something on her would get onto me. So she was alone. No one to advocate for her. No one to drive her to the doctor's office. No one to help her pay for things. No one to help provide for her. She was disconnected, separated. Is there anything worse? Is there anything worse than being alone in chronic pain? When you are chronically suffering, whether it be a physical thing, an emotional thing, man, being alone has got to be one of the worst experiences. 
And this woman, in her disconnectedness, her aloneness, was afraid, uncertain. And so verse 27, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd. She couldn't approach him from the front. She didn't want to be rejected. Get away from me. Something's wrong with you. So she snuck up behind him and touched his robe. Because this is what she was thinking to herself. If I can just touch his robe, I would be healed. She felt ashamed, embarrassed, uncertain. And maybe we're a lot like this woman. Maybe we have some suffering in our life. Maybe our marriages are suffering. And we've done everything we can to get those things fixed. We've, we've listened to everything someone's told us to listen to. We've read every book that someone's told us to read. We've gone to th- counselors. We've gone to encounter events. We've done everything possible. And yet, things are not getting any better. They're, they're getting worse. Or maybe our suffering is, is in our finances. We've done everything we can. We've, we've gotten wallets. We've, we've started snowball, like trying to pay down bills. We, we've done everything we can to try to fix the suffering in our finances. And things just keep getting worse. Or maybe it's just, maybe we have like this woman, we just have legitimate physical pain. And we've done everything that we can. We've gotten all the right shots. We've gotten all the right procedures. We've met all the right experts. But yet, everything we're doing, it just keeps getting worse. And maybe I haven't nailed what's going on in your life. But as you listen to me, in your own mind, you know what you're walking through. And you say to yourself, Tom, I've done everything. And things just seem to be getting worse. So maybe we're like this woman. We're a person in the crowd. And we think to ourselves, if I could just connect with Jesus, maybe he can make all things right. And we, like the woman, we sneak around. But, you know, come on. This is, this is, we sneak around like we're in church, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We come in and we get the big smile on. Life is crumbling. And when we walk in on Sunday morning, hey, how's it going? Woo! Good to see you. What's up, Jim? Hey, Heather. You know, we just, we're sneaking around because no one knows what's happening. Because something in our society tells us if people knew what was going on, if people knew what was wrong, I'd be rejected. If people really knew how my finances were, or if people really knew how my marriage was, if, even in my physical stuff, I just, I don't want someone to feel sorry for me. And we just can be disconnected in those moments. But what we can discover like this woman is that there is so much more. That this place that we're in is not what we were created for. What were we created for? We were created for connections. We're not made to be lost in a crowd suffering and things getting worse. We're not made for crowds. We are made for connections. Romans 12 says it this way. 
Romans 12, verse 5. Paul's writing, so he says, So it is with, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong or are connected to each other. God wants you to walk in how you were created. This is the picture, connected to him and connected to each other. And the word belong can be a tricky word because it means a whole lot more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. Is Is that okay for me to say that? To belong to the body means way more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. It means to be a vital part, to be connected to something larger. So by the end of today, my my hope is that no matter where you are in this faith journey of yours, my hope is that you'll take a step in moving towards being more connected to each other. That you step closer and step into an ability and a way of being connected to one another. That, that we would no longer be in a crowd sneaking up to Jesus and showing up on Sunday mornings. But we'd begin to move from me to we. So the Bible gives us a few pictures of what it means to be connected. Can I go through those really quick with you? Can you hang with me for a few more minutes? So number one, the first thing that the Bible gives us of what it means to be connected He says it's like being in a building. It's like a building. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. Yeah, I like this pulpit, guys. This is just awesome. Because I can, like, just turn the pages, and it's just right here in front of me. Yeah. Thank you, legacy. Uh, So verse 20, it says this. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are built together. The foundation of it is is the teachings, the doctrines, the theology of the truths of what we believe. The very cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. This is what brings us together. And he goes to say, and we are carefully, I love that, carefully joined together. In him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are becoming a a building that is useful, something important. You see, a temple is is significant because a temple is more than just the four walls, a steeple and stained glass. A temple actually was a place. See, there's there's God's space. there's, There's human space. And where those two overlap in the scriptures was the temple. That's where God and mankind met together. It's like the thin place in the world. They would show up, and this is where God would show up, in the temple. And, And Paul's taking this picture and saying, this is you. It's not four walls and a building somewhere. We all are being built together as a temple. We all are being built together as that place where God shows up and the reality of him is exposed to this world. We together are being joined so the reality of God can be seen and experienced. This is what it means to be connected, according to Paul. It's like being together as a building. We've done a remodel in my house before, and hang with me. I'm, I'm not a carpenter. Or, 
I don't do tools. I'll just say it that way. I don't have a tool belt. I have a bag and like a brown paper sack. And it's got like a handful of tools in it. And that's about it, all right? Like, I, I, I struggle. I call my pops if I need any help. But we did a remodel. My cousin came and helped me do it. I can do the demo stuff, but he began to take this useless space in our basement. I mean, it was useful because we could throw all of our junk down there. But it was useless in that no one could use it. Big open basement. Tore down a few things, and then he started putting up these walls. And started framing them all in. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking around, I'm like, ooh, I can, I can picture a room here. I can picture a room here. I can picture a bathroom. Like, it was becoming useful space. But let me tell you what I didn't see. I didn't see a wall, like a framed wall, hanging out over on the side somewhere. I wasn't going, nice, nice. Alan, what's, what's, what's that wall hanging out over there? This sounds ridiculous. And anyone who's in construction, you're like, what are you talking about, Tom? Exactly. There's nowhere you go where a wall is just hanging out by itself. They're connected. And this is what Paul is saying. A disconnected wall has no support. A disconnected wall falls over and is useless when it's disconnected. And we are compared to these walls. We are being built together. We are being joined together carefully. So who are you connected to? Who gives you support when the pressure of life is on you, when you're struggling? Who celebrates your joys with you? Who are you connected to? For me, I have a men's community. And I love it. We meet every Saturday morning. meet at 7 o'clock in the morning. Coffee, donuts. And it is amazing connection with my dudes. And here's what I love the most about it. Oh, because I discover that I'm not the only dumb dad in the world in that moment. I discover on a weekly basis that I'm not the only dumb husband around. All right? I recognize and realize, oh, my gosh, there's other men who say the same stupid things that I say and do the same stupid things that I do. And what do we find? We find connect and we find support. We laugh together. We laugh at each other together. Sometimes we cry together. We pray together. Throughout the week, we text each other. We support each other. This is what it means to be connected. This is my small group. This is how I'm connected. In a building, a disconnected wall has no support. We're made to be connected. Who are you connected to? Second picture. I got to move. What does it mean to be connected? It's like a building. Paul also says it's like a body. It's like a body. Going back to Romans 12... He says this, I'm rereading that verse we just read a minute ago. He says it this way in verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and again, here it goes again, we all belong to each other. Another expression of our connectedness and dependence upon each other is a body. Some say, some actually will say, and I've heard people tell me this. Pastor Tom, if I've got Jesus, then that's all I need. And I would say, not according to this. 
I know, don't, please don't throw tomatoes at me now. Hold on, let me finish. Not according to this. And it's not me arguing this, this is Paul. So you take it up with Paul. According to this, he compares us to a body. And you can't have a disconnected body part. That is just gross. <laughs> All right? It doesn't work. If I had a way to disconnect my arm from here, you would, my body, you would all leave this room in about 30 seconds. Because that doesn't, that's not supposed to happen. Hey, watch this, guys. I mean, you'd be screaming out the door as fast as you can. So a disconnected part. I got Jesus, and that's all I need. No, 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 no. You got Jesus, and you need the body. You need to be connected. You can't take your foot and just connect it to the head. That's really weird. It's connected at the right place, a useful place in the body. A body missing a toe loses its balance. A person with both eyes working has a greater advantage in every way. We are dependent then upon each other. In a body, a disconnected part will shrivel up. We cannot underestimate the power of being connected. Are you seeing this today? Are you getting this a little bit? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Okay. What does it mean to be connected? It's like a building. Supported walls. It's like a body. Connected body parts. And my favorite as Paul says, it's like a family. And so this is my family. It's a great picture. Is it up there? Oh, come on. There it is. Yes. There it is. There's my family. And here's the fun part. We all go, oh, look at that family. My kids, they were like, Dad, that better be a good picture. It's a good picture. It's a good picture. They got their smile. But what you don't know, what you don't know is like, one second before that picture was taken, it was, stop crossing your eyes. Elliot, you better smile. Will you stop pushing? I mean, the whole, as we're trying to take this picture, right? And then all of a sudden, three, two, one, and, you know, and it's the perfect picture. How about this next one, huh? Look at this one. Yes, y'all. And you can take a guess as to where I'm at in the picture. I'm that good-looking redhead with the big gap <laughs> missing a tooth in his face. I love my little brother. He's got the big butterfly wide collar shirt. I'm like, I'm like, where are those shirts nowadays? I need one of those. I love it. I love it. And the point of all of this, why am I bringing up these pictures? I don't know, because I want to show off my family. But I think it because of what it does. It gives you a picture of what we're supposed to look like. And for some of you, you might be going, oh, and it brings up good memories of parents, good memories of siblings, good memories of families. For some of you in this room, I know, you can look at this picture and go, I don't have no family pictures. Or I threw my family pictures, or I burned my family pictures. My family caused me a lot of pain. I hear that today. And that's not the family we're talking about. Jesus' desire for us is he's connected like a family. He said, I know what you've been through. I've seen it. I've been walking with you in that. But let me show you what a family looks like. And it happens here. Legacy, it happens here. If we haven't had good parents, then this is where we find our good parents. If we haven't had good siblings, this is where we find brothers and sisters. We are connected. This is how this is supposed to work. 
Galatians 6.10 tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those, here's that word again, who belong to the family of believers. When you belong to your family, it doesn't mean you just show up to be fed when you're hungry. It doesn't mean you, you rest in the house when you're tired. Or you don't use the family name on applications when needed. A family is a place where we love and are loved in a way that helps us become all we should be. That is a family. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, So now you Gentiles, and Gentiles is a a way of categorizing a, a group of people who are outside of the faith. So he says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And how do we get into a family? There's two main ways. You're either adopted or you're born into a family. There's two, I mean, there's other ways. I've had people come up to me, Tom, do you know, I can think of ten other ways. Okay, I'm not talking about ten other ways right now. Just talking about two. Because here's the amazing thing about being born into a family or being adopted into a family. That the Bible says that we are both. John 3 makes it really clear that we are born again. And John 1 makes it really clear as we believe that we become a child of God. That we are born into the family. Romans 8 makes it really, really clear that we are adopted. And here's the beautiful thing. Once you're born into the family, once you're adopted into the family, there is no getting out of the family. My kid brother just in the last couple of years adopted a little one. His name's Titus, and he is awesome. He's just this little guy. I'm telling you, whenever we have all the family together, he comes walking through, and all the kids just consume him. Like, if they could eat him, they would. And I know that sounds gross, but he's just squishy that way. You just want to do that. But let me tell you, if you ask my kids to describe their cousins, they don't go through, well, there's, there's Nehemiah, and there's Jude, and there's Enoch. Oh, and then there's this kid we adopted named Titus. No, 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 no. When they talk about their cousins, what do they say? Oh, there's Nehemiah, there's Jude, there's Enoch. Oh, and then there's Titus. There, he's a part of the family. He's been adopted in, and there is no separate. There is, he has no lesser status in our family. In fact, he's got the highest status because he's like the baby of the family now. Poor kid, he gets squished and poked all the time. And this is the goal for our lives. This is what Paul is saying. This is what we're supposed to be. When we move from a faith that's oriented to me to we, this means we get stuck with each other in our family. There is no getting out. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, I'm stuck. Yeah, we're stuck with each other. Legacy, you guys are stuck with each other, whether you like it or not, because this is family. With Jesus, you can't be connected to him and not connected to family. It doesn't work. In a family, a disconnected member feels unloved. And we're not going to be unloved here. There's too much incredible things for legacy to happen to have someone walking around feeling unloved. We're family. We're family. So finally, he brings us back to this woman. Oh, I'm running late. Um, can I finish? Yeah. All right. It brings us back to our woman. Mark chapter 5 again. I'm flying, y'all. I'm flying, I promise. 
Here it is in verse 29. Watch what happens to this woman. She says, remember, she said, if I can just touch him. I'm suffering. I feel alone. I'm disconnected. I'm ashamed. I'm scared. I can't be be seen. So I'm just going to sneak up behind and touch his hem. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the edge of his robe, I know something will happen. So she does it immediately. Woo, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. And then verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. What does that mean? I have never experienced healing power coming out of me. Like, what did that feel like? Was it like tingly? Or was it kind of like, like something on the back of the neck? Like, how did Jesus know? Zzz, what just happened? Like, somehow he knew. I'm having fun. I'm sorry. So he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Who touched me? And I love his disciples' answer. They like, you can imagine them slapping their foreheads. Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched you? That's like earlier this morning when I was walking through the lobby. Someone bumps me and there's like five people walk by me. I can't turn around and be like, who touched me? Who did that? It's ridiculous. You know, it's a crowd. It's a crowd. She felt lost in a crowd. But here's the beautiful thing about it. Jesus was not going to give up looking for her. Jesus was not going to stop looking for her. The crowd did not intimidate Jesus. The crowd did not stop Jesus from looking for the one. In that crowd, Jesus stopped and he said, I'm going to find her. Where did she go? And I'm telling you, someone here today needs to hear that. Because in the midst of your suffering, you need to know Jesus ain't given up on you yet. Jesus hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped looking for you. And sometimes we, we, we try this game of, of hiding. And, and because we feel maybe ashamed. We feel afraid. Like this woman. But Jesus hasn't stopped looking for you. And he's going to keep looking for you. And so she's thinking in her head, oh, snap. I'm in trouble. But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. In verse 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization that what had happened, she came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And what does Jesus do? He scolds her. He says, you dirty woman, you did that wrong. You connected to me. You didn't pray that right. You didn't sing that right. Jesus said, you didn't read enough. You didn't pray hard enough. Come on. What does Jesus do? He said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. You don't have to be afraid no more. You don't have to be ashamed no more. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And what does Jesus say? He was he call her daughter. He says, girl, welcome into the family. Welcome to the family. You're connected. You're no longer lost in the crowd. You're no longer disconnected. You're a part of the family. Here's your brothers. Here's your sisters, your aunties, your uncles, your pops, your nanas. Here they all are. Can you feel that today? See, for Jesus, it's not good enough to just be healed. 
Now, we may be praying, God, heal me. Relieve me from this suffering. Relieve me from this thing that's happening in my life. And Jesus would say, that's not good enough. This woman is now family. We are called to be connected. Jesus shows us that connecting with him is not where it ends. That we are to be connected to others. Like a building, like a body, and like a family. So we start with a connection with Jesus. In our broken, sinful states, he heals us, he transforms our lives, and then we're connected to others. And this is where Rooted for us has been amazing. I've been doing Rooted for several years now, and some of my closest friends that I have have come from sitting with a group of people on a weekly basis and walking through what we've done. I've read the materials, we've gone through the, and I, come on, I grew up in the church, I've done workbooks. Oh, I hate workbooks. But this material is a way for us to connect no matter where you're at on the spectrum of faith. In fact, some of my friends, they would say things like, before Rooted, one of my friends says, I was struggling to connect with others and show vulnerability. My relationship with Jesus was strained. And then she says, after Rooted, I'm feeling more grounded peaceful and calm. She says, I'm beginning to enjoy my relationships. I feel more connected to Jesus and open to his plan for my life. Another friend of mine says, I was tired and distracted, not looking for God to show up in my life. He says, after rooted, I'm still tired, (laughs) but looking up and wanting God to find me. In my rooted group, I had a 15-year-old, and she said this, before rooted, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to invite God into my life. But after rooted, I've been definitely more open to God and have been telling and taking steps to invite him into my life. Before rooted, I was wanting to connect with people at, at my church, at Hope City, and get to know my new church family. After rooted, it says, I have found new friends and feel more a part of the family. I'm sorry, and I promise you, I did not ask these guys to write these down before I spoke. Like, hey, I'm going to be speaking at this church. Will you write down these key words? A couple weeks ago, we did this, before and after Rooted. This is what they said. One says, I was new to Hope City, needing to plug in. And after Rooted, I've made new connections and friends. I'm looking forward to continuing to lead a small group. Last one, and this is from a 17-year-old that was in our group. It says, before Rooted, I wasn't involved in my spiritual growth and didn't have a community like this to share our love for God. After Rooted, I'm active in daily prayers and have witnessed how God is moving in each and every one of our group. There's something powerful about when we get connected, something powerful when we move from, from me to we. When we get into being supported by one another, when we find ourselves being an essential piece of a body, when we become a part of a family. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much today for the way that you connect us. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how hard we've worked. It's not about what I have to offer. But you come looking for us in a crowd 
in our suffering and our pain with all of us to be a part of your family. Would you continue to transform our hearts? Would you continue to change us? Would you continue to move us from being disconnected to being connected? In your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you. If you're here today and you find yourself in a place where you're you're saying, man, I'm not even a part of this family that Tom's referring to. I, I wouldn't be a son of God, or I, I'm not a daughter yet. But you want to take that step this morning. I, I'd like to invite everyone here to just simply close your eyes. And if you're in that place and you would like to make a decision to accept God's invitation for you specifically to be a part of his family, would you simply just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. God, I pray for anyone here that has not yet made that decision to accept your invitation to be a part of your family. Pray, God, that as as they take that step of faith, Lord, would you show them, God, that not only are their sins forgiven, but they have an opportunity to start again and allow you, God, to come in and change each and every one of us from the inside out, God. Lord, I pray for everyone here that's already a daughter, that's already a son, God, and, and simply has felt disconnected or, or, or felt unseen, God. I pray today that the reality of your word would become so clear, Lord, and that that desire of being connected would now turn into action of being connected with each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to do one more thing here before we close out. And I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to do two things. If, if you need prayer today, our prayer teams are going to be located in the back corner here where there's that big banner that says prayer corner. You can't miss it. There's going to be people there willing to pray for you for whatever thing that you may need prayer for, whether that's something that was talked about today or maybe that's something in your body, whatever it may be. There's people there right now prepared to pray for you. And lastly, we're going to sing the song one more time to end the service. Good grace. And would we sing together and allow God to seal this word in our hearts? How many of you guys got something out of this word today? How many of you? How many of you were glad you waited to leave for your spring break vacation Sunday after church? <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and sing together.
that you've done in our lives. Thank you for all that you're doing, and thank you for all that you've yet to do. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We're so grateful that you're here, and we cannot wait to see you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to sign up on your way out for Rooted, and have a wonderful spring break. Have a great rest of your weekend.